Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Glad to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. So I've been like fighting these allergies. So I'm going to be, might be drinking water a couple times this morning. So I'll just give you a heads up. Uh, before we get started, I am going to do a little icebreaker, you know, because it's morning time and icebreakers are what you do to kind of wake everybody up and, you know, just kind of, you know, get our minds kind of focused in maybe a little bit. So if everybody could stand. I'm going to do the ice. It's going to be one of those, have you ever? Okay. And so if I say something that you have done, you can be seated. All right. And so when we get to the end, there are 20 questions. So we'll see who's still standing at the end. I'm still standing. No. (laughs) All right. So number one, have you ever met a celebrity? Ooh. Wow. That's really cool. No, Brother Wilson does not count. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. Have you ever planted a vegetable garden? Planted a vegetable garden. Have you met a celebrity? Wow. So cool. Three, have you ever installed a pool, a swimming pool? No. No, you can stay seated. Have you ever participated in a marathon? No? Ooh, all right. Have you ever had a dog compete in a dog show? No? Okay. Have you ever been on a college sports team? If you're seated and you have, you can raise your hand just so we can kind of know, like, what we have among us. Have you ever played an instrument? Okay, got a lot of musicians in the building. Have you ever won a trophy? Yeah, we have winners. We are winners, amen. Have you ever locked yourself out of the house? Yep, that's me. Have you ever lost a member of the family while out shopping? (laughs) Yeah. So kind of a funny story. We were kids and we were at uh, Disney World in Florida. And my little sister, she had a thing of wandering off. She was like two. So we're in the animal park area and she like goes missing, you know. So we're in this huge amusement park, right? So my parents go looking for her and we finally find her walking over the alligator pit. Yeah. So we definitely lost her that time, but we found her. She's fine. The alligators did not eat her. So have you ever turned white colors pink? Wow, everybody's sitting. Wow. Okay, but we're going to still go through them. Have you ever gone somewhere with two different shoes or socks on? (laughs) That's awesome. Have you ever dialed a phone number and forgot who you called? Yeah. So have you ever been on the phone looking for your phone. 
all the time. It's unreal, actually. It's very sad. Have you ever put something in the oven to bake and forgot about it? Yeah, I have too. So, all right. So those, um, that was just a little, little start, fun, you know, good times. Um, so I, first, before I get started, I want to give a shout out to our seniors that this is their first Sunday in adult Sunday school class. If you guys want to stand, no, I won't make them stand, but I'm really glad that they're in here. I was talking to Riley on the way here. I was like, you know, it's going to be kind of not weird, but different. This is the first time that, you know, they've been in the adult class. So it's kind of cool. So I think they're going to bring some energy and some life in here. So I'm excited to have them in here. Um, I also, um, Wanted to greet you all on behalf of Brother Roberts. He texted me um, right before service and said, tell everyone, you know, give them my greetings. I love them. I miss them all. So, of course, he had to get me all emotional right before teaching, you know, so because <laughs> I do miss them. Um, I give honor to him, to Pastor Sister Valerie, um, for this opportunity. I do not take it lightly. I'm so grateful um, for their leadership. So, if we could all stand again, we're going to dive into the word. And if you could turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3, and we're going to read kind of a lengthy portion of scripture. We're going to read 12 verses. So when you're there, say amen. Still here, pages turning, so I'll wait just a moment. So verse 1, it says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, if you never say something, if you never say the wrong thing, the same is a perfect man, and he's able to bridle the whole body. If you never say the wrong thing, you're able to tame every human fault and all of your weaknesses. Anybody been able to <laughs> never said the wrong thing? Okay. So verse 3 says, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be great, they are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Means they're, they're directed by something very, very small. Very small, and where, it, wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. Verse 5, it says, even so the tongue is a little member. Yeah, Brittany, feel your tongue. It's, it's not very big. But behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. It's how great a forest is set on fire by just a small spark. It says, and the tongue is a fire. It is a world of iniquity. It's a world of injustice and unrighteousness. In our mouths, we have a world. Think of our world of injustice and unrighteousness. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth. It contaminates. It contaminates the whole body. And it sets on fire the course of nature. It sets on fire the very course of our life, our existence. And it is set on fire of hell, meaning that it gets its fire from hell. That's where that fire comes from. Verse 7, it says, For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed 
and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil. It is a restless evil, meaning that it never sleeps. It's undisciplined and unstable. It's full of deadly poison. Verse 9, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree bear olive berries? By the way, olives are fruits. We found that out on the way to church this morning. <laughs> Dakota asked, is olive a fruit or a vegetable? So we Googled it, and they are a fruit. So there's your random fact for the day. It says, so either a vine, a figs, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. So this morning I'm going to talk about taming the tongue. So if we want to put our Bibles down, and if you want to raise a hand, just close our eyes. We're going to pray. Lord, thank you for this day, God. Thank you for bringing us here together. God, thank you for your word, God, that is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I pray that it would minister today, God, that it would speak, God, what you want us to speak today, Lord. I pray that our hearts and our minds would be opened, God, that you would change us today, God. Change us in your presence, God, and let your perfect will be done. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Amen. You may be seated. So words are not simply sounds that are caused by air passing through our larynx. Words have real power. God spoke the world into being by the power of his words. So we, as humanity, we are made in his image. And a lot of, in part, because of the power that we have with words. There is, um, so how many know that words do more than just simply convey information, right? We're not just spewing out information. Google does that, but we, our words do not. So the power of our words can actually destroy one's spirit. They can stir up hatred and violence. They not only exacerbate wounds, but they can inflict them directly. Maybe not wounds that you can see, but they are wounds. You know the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. That's a lie from hell. Of all the creatures on this planet, only man, only us, only we have the ability to communicate through the spoken word. The power to use words is a unique and a very powerful gift that God has given us. Nothing else on this earth has that gift. But sometimes we can abuse it. Anyone ever abused that powerful, amazing gift God has given us? Jesus reminds us that the words that we speak are actually the overflow of our hearts. Matthew 12, verse 34, he says, Oh, generation of vipers, oh, bunch of snakes, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings good fruit, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. As Christians today, there should be an expectancy that there's going to be a difference. There's going to be a change of speech. We shouldn't talk the way that the world talks. Living for God makes a difference in the choice of words 
because I'm storing up good treasures in my heart. I should be. I should be storing up good things in my heart. Gone should be the days of pursuing after and storing up evil things in my heart. Romans verse thir- three, chapter 3, verse 14 reminds us that the sinner's mouth is what is full of cursing and bitterness. But in Romans 10 and 10, it says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with that mouth one confesses and is saved. When we're believers, we're going to speak, we're going to be confessing, we're going to be repenting. There's going to be a difference in our, in the way that we talk and the things that we say. So our words are full of blessing when our heart is full of blessing. When we're, when we're thinking about things and, you know, blessing in our hearts and we're consuming good things, that's what's going to come out of our mouths. So if we fill our hearts with the love of God, only truth and purity can come out of our mouths. So if there are things coming out of your mouth that are not pure, that are not right, check your heart. What things are you storing up in your heart? Matthew 12, verse 36 and 37 tells us, I tell you, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Careless. Have you ever just, every, every careless word, how many words do we speak a day? I think, I've, I know there's statistics on the amount of words men, men say and the amount of words women say, and women are like way, way more, and you know, that's fine. We just have a lot of things to say. But we're going to be judged by every careless word, every word, thoughtless word, everything that we just say carelessly, we say thoughtlessly. It says, by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Proverbs 13.3 says, he that keepeth, keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. That's powerful. You keep your words there's life. But if you open your mouth wide, you ever been, anybody ever been called a big mouth? <laughs> I have been. I have been called a big mouth. But that, there shall be destruction. So I want to talk about four different types of words or two different, four different things of words. So the first one is I'm going to talk about my words to myself. What you whisper Nobody else may hear, but what you whisper to yourself every single day has the power to determine the quality of your life. Anyone believe that? Like the words that you speak to yourself? Proverbs 18, 21, it tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue, meaning I can speak death or life over myself. It's what I say that matters. My words, not somebody else's. Again, the sticks and stones may break my bones. Words may never hurt me. And I know as children, we are probably more affected by words that other people say than we are as adults. It still hurts, but we may not be as affected by them because we're older and we have more of an understanding of who we are. But it's my words to myself that have the power. I can breed insecurity and confidence or confidence in myself by what I say to myself. My words have the power to breed discontentment or contentment by what I say to myself. Um, I think we've all heard the phrase as well that to think before you speak. And I think sometimes we're pretty good at this when we're speaking to someone else. Not always, but you know, most of the time I hope that we're thinking before we speak. But I would like to put before you that we should be just as intentional to think before we speak to ourselves. 
as we are when we speak to someone else. When doing so, we have to be careful that we're thinking about the right things. So Philippians 4.8, a scripture that we quote all the time, it says, whatsoever things are true, what things are noble, they're just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, and if there be any virtue or praise, meditate, think on these things. Those are the things that we're going to be thinking about. And when we're thinking about those things, that's what we're going to speak to ourselves. So what is true about myself? What is true about all of us? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so that we can do the things that he planned for us a long time ago. So... We are a masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. I want to look, you look at your neighbor and tell them you are a masterpiece. That's what's true. That is what's true. So seven, I want to talk about seven things about a masterpiece. The first thing is a masterpiece takes a long time to create. A masterpiece isn't just something that, oh, I'm just going to whip that up this morning. No. That's, that's, the changes in a masterpiece happen just a little bit at a time in each and every one of us. I've said, I've told some of my friends so many times when they've came to me and talked to me about things, be patient with yourself. Be patient with yourself. God is working on you and it's going to take time. You can't wake up in the morning, you don't expect a baby to be born and the very next day start eating a steak. No, they're not ready for that. And so we don't expect those things. So when you're talking to yourself, be real with yourself and say, okay, God is still working on me. He may have been working on me for a long time, but you know what? A masterpiece takes a long time, and that's what I am. So God, I'm going to be patient with myself or self I'm going to be patient with myself. Say that to yourself sometimes. You know what? Like when you feel all these things, be like, you know what? I'm a masterpiece. It's going to take a long time. So I'm going to be patient with myself right now. The second thing about a masterpiece is that it is very detailed and intricate. Tiny transformations are not always easy to see. So it's going to take a long time and it's going to be little things at a time. Changes are still being made. You're not the same today as you were a year ago. I'm not the same as I was a year ago. Honestly, I'm not the same as I was a week and a half ago. You know, I'm, I'm, really, I'm not the same as I was yesterday. I've had different experiences. I've had different things. God's spoken different things to me. And so I know it may be little things. You guys may not see it. But I know that they're little things that God is working on me. The third thing about a masterpiece is that it is a one of a kind. There are no duplicates. We are called God's unique workmanship. We are uniquely made by his hands. Psalms 139.14, very familiar portion of scripture. It says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We're wonderfully complex, meaning there's a lot of different parts that make us up. Not one of us are the same. 
And God, I think, wanted us to know that. That's why he gave us all different fingerprints. No, no two people in the world have the same fingerprint. Because he's so, like, he can do that. He's so amazing that he can make each and every one of us a masterpiece, but yet completely different. So don't compare yourself with somebody else. Not one of us are on the same place in our journey with the Lord. Not one of us are in the same place in our journey in life. You know, we can't compare ourselves. We can't look to someone and say, oh, man, I should be that. I should be that. You know, I should do that. I should say, you know, no, you don't know what they've gone through. You don't know what's brought them to that place. You don't know the things that God has intended for them. You're different. Your story is different than everyone else's story, and that's okay. I had to come to that conclusion about maybe about a year and a half ago, two years ago, that, you know, so many times we look at other people and, and culture does that too. Like you should do these things, you know, you, for seniors, you know, you graduate high school and you should know what you're going to do for the rest of your life. You should go to college. You should get a job. You should have a car. You should have all of these things, have a career, know what you're going to do for the rest of your life, have a retirement plan, all of those things, you know, the pressure that society that puts on people, you know, and no one, are my stories not the same? Because God is the author and he's the finisher of my story, just as he is your story. There's no duplicates. You're one of a kind, and that's okay. Number four is a masterpiece is often a culmination of an artist's skill and hard work. So in, during creation in the creation week, man was not created until the sixth day. We were the last thing that God created. Up until this point, God had created the light. He separated the light from darkness. He created the plants. He created the animals. He created um, the sea animals, all the things that he created, you know, and he was like, that's good. That's good. Galaxy, that's good. Sun, moon, stars, rotation of the planets, that's good. Oxygen, the firmament of the earth, that's good. That's good. Ah, that's good. But when he got to man, On that sixth day, he said, that's very good. He looked at us and he said, that's very good. That's my masterpiece. That's what I've been working all week. I've been practicing. I've been testing. And this is my masterpiece. This is the culmination of all of my skills I've put in man. That's you today. You are God's masterpiece Number five is a masterpiece is precious. It is extremely valuable to the artist. Jeremiah 31 and 3 says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. You are so valuable to God that he has drawn you. He has loved you with an everlasting love, meaning that love will never fade. It's everlasting, meaning it lasts forever, is the love that God has for us. There, that last portion says, therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And I know that that means a drawing of the Lord, like his presence is pulling us towards him. But because we're talking about our masterpiece, I like to think that he's drawn us. He's the artist. He's drawing us. He's making us what he wants us to be because he loves us. Number six, the artist is the one creating the masterpiece. The masterpiece cannot create itself. Now, I, 
I mean, there's sometimes I'm like, God, I got this. I can do this. I know, you know, like, I don't really think that, you know, that that needs to be chiseled away. (laughs) You know, I think that that part of my shape is pretty good, God. I don't need, like, I got this. No, but God uses our experiences. How many know that he uses our experience to encourage us so we can become more like him every single day? Romans 5 and 3, it says, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation works patience. Patience, experience, experience, hope, and hope makes us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, But we all, with open face beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. We're looking in a mirror and we see the glory of the Lord. We are changed into that same image. We are changed into the image of the glory of the Lord from day to day. We go from glory to glory. That's what God is doing in us every single day. And he's the artist. He knows what the finished product looks like. So that's why he's the one creating us. That's why we can't step in and say, you know, I got this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this here. No, he's the master. He's the master artist. He's the creator. The seventh thing about a masterpiece is that it points to the artist's talents and it causes others to be inspired. First Peter 2 and 9, it says, but you are the ones chosen by God. You are the ones chosen. You're chosen for the high calling of priestly work chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference that he made for you. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. That's what God, that's the purpose that God has. Like, that's why he's working on you. If you ask yourself, okay, why, why am I a masterpiece? Why is God doing all of these things? It's to show off his talents, is to show off his glory, and it's so that others can be attracted to him. It, it, we Sometimes we think that it's all about us. It is nothing about us. It's all about him. So talking about things that we should say to ourselves, for those of you with children, how do you feel when someone talks badly about one of your kids? What if you heard that today the teacher at your child's school had called them stupid? What if someone walked up to them today and told them that they had no purpose? I'm not a parent yet, but I'll tell you right now, if I found out that someone had said any of those things to one of your children, I'd be ready to fight somebody. I'd be, I mean, they say I'd be ready to throw hands because I'm not kidding. We, because that's, I'm like, no, who, like what? They're stupid. I'm sorry. Like I'd come for your life. Okay. So just so y'all know, don't be saying nothing to nobody's kids. Okay. Cause I won't be held responsible for the actions that take place. But in all seriousness, that's exactly how God feels when you talk about yourself. He is our father. You are his creation. You are his masterpiece. You are something that he is spending time on. He takes what you say about yourself very personally. 
I don't want to offend God. I don't want to, I don't want to say something that he's going to come at me. I don't want the Lord coming for my life, <laughs> okay? So just remember that, when you, that you are God's masterpiece. The second thing that I want to talk about is my words to others. I think this is probably where sometimes we spend a lot of time. Proverbs 18, 21, again, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it and indulge in it will eat its fruit, and you're going to bear the consequences of your words. So this morning I just ask, are we using our words to build up or destroy? Are our words filled with hate or love? Bitterness or blessing? Comparison or compliments? Lust or love? Victory or defeat? The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. In this passage, Paul is emphasizing that the positive, he's positive over negative. The Greek word translated unwholesome means rotten or foul. It originally referred to rotten fruit and vegetables. I don't want rotten fruit or vegetables anywhere near me. I don't even like to smell them. I don't want them in my mouth. Being like Christ means that we don't use foul and dirty language. I think we all, we all understand that. I think, though, for some reason, a lot of people think that it's macho or it's liberating or it's the cool thing to do to, you know, use vulgar humor or dirty jokes or foul language. You know, some people, it's like, well, I'm not cussing. Well, is what you're saying glorifying? Is what you're saying edifying? Is what you're saying building somebody up? Like, it may not be a curse word, but is it, go- is it still good? Can it be classified as a good thing to say? Maybe not. This kind of talk has no place in the life of a Christian. Paul continues to say, he says, to talk about what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I like that. It's help for building others up according to their needs. Not what's good for me, but what's going to be good for them? What's a need in their life that I can say that's going to build them up. Colossians 4 verse 6 says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, meaning people are going to come back for more, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I like the way the Message Bible says it. It says to be gracious in your speech. The goal here is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not put them down, and not cut them out. Grace commonly refers to smooth, a pleasing way of moving or speaking. It's not abrasive. It's polite. It's thoughtful. That's what grace is. That's that's the way you should be speaking. So are we striving today to bring out the best in others, or are we more concerned about others seeing the best in me? Are we being polite and thoughtful with the words that we speak? Are we planting seeds of jealousy and strife? Or are we speaking love that's going to bring peace in someone's life? Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, 
lest you also be tempted. I like the way the Message Bible again says it. Sometimes it just cuts, it makes it plain. The Message Bible just, it really gets the punch that you're looking for. It says, if someone falls into sin, we are to forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. Because you might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Critical comments, again, have no place in the family of God. We're a family. We should be each other's greatest supporters and cheerleaders. We're on the same team. We, like, we are the body of Christ. We make up the body of Christ. We are a family. So we shouldn't be speaking critical of someone else. If you don't know what to say to restore a brother or a sister or to bring thankfulness into their life, testify. Share your testimony with them. Um, Dutch Sheets, who is um, the executive director of Christ for the Nations Institute, he's an internationally recognized author, teacher, and conference speaker. He has a broadcast that he does every day on YouTube. And um, he said in a broadcast earlier this week that a rabbi had told him that to testify goes deeper than just telling of God's goodness. It releases the power of God to repeat the miracle. When we testify of healing, it releases the same power to heal again. So when we testify to someone of the goodness of God in our lives, when you tell somebody, you know what, I'm a masterpiece. God's created me a masterpiece. You're releasing that into their life. You're releasing that same power into their life. You're, if, if God has restored you of something and this person has fallen and we who are spiritual are restoring them, if we share our testimony with them, we're releasing that same restoration power into their life by the words that we speak. Revelation 12, 11 says, They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. When we speak the good things of God, there's overcoming power that's released into people's life. So today, release it. Release healing into somebody's life. If God healed you, talk about it. If God gave you power, if God increased your faith, talk about it. Speak those things. Speak life into someone's life today. The third thing that I want to talk about today is God's word to me. There are two primary Greek words that describe scripture, which are translated word in the New Testament. Many of you have probably heard this before. The first is logos. It refers principally to the total inspired word of God, the, the whole scripture, the whole Bible. That's the logos. And it also refers to Jesus, who we know is the living word. That's what the logos means. Logos is found in verses like John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. The Word was in the beginning. We know that, right? Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the Word of God, the whole Word, the whole Scripture, it's living, it's active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's the whole word. That's the, the logos, the whole word. The second Greek word uh, the, translated to word in the New Testament is rhema, or rhema. I think it's rhema is how it's pronounced. And it literally means an utterance. 
individually, collectively here like we are right now, or specifically. It is an utterance. Some examples of this are found in Luke 138, where Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your utterance. Luke 5 and 5, Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and we took nothing. But at your word, at your utterance, I will let down the nets. So the test, how we can test the authenticity of the rhema, which is a spoken word, is from God, is how it compares to the whole of Scripture, which is the logos. So God will not speak a word, speak a word. Someone will not come to you and say, God said, that does not line up with the logos, that does not line up with the whole Scripture as a whole. God will not contradict his word. Somebody comes to you and tells you, well, God said, da-da-da-da-da, and you know that that goes against what the scripture says, you can automatically mark them as a false prophet. That's not true because God will not contradict his word. So that's kind of a safeguard for you. God gave that to us. I mean, he didn't really have to put two translations for word in there, but I think he kind of gave that to us so we can see the difference and we can have that safeguard. We can have that measuring stick. But that's why it's so important that we are in the word of God, the logos word of God every single day. We've got to be familiar with the scripture. We can't just read it here and there, but we've got to have a relationship with that word. If we're not familiar with it, then we open ourselves to misunderstanding. We miss our, open ourselves up to misinterpreting something that we might perceive to be a rhema, and it's not. So that's why we've got to be in the word every day. Matthew 4 and 4, it says, we, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We live by every rhema, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word will fulfill its purpose. Isaiah 55, 11, I love this verse. It says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So God says things to us like, You are my beloved. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I formed you in your mother's womb. If you will seek my face, you will find me. These were the things that God says to us. Jesus' word to the woman who was caught in adultery in John chapter 8 and 11. We're all probably familiar with that scripture where they brought her and were accusing her and they were ready to stone her. And, and Jesus, you know, he began, I think he began calling out all of their sins and then said, you without sin cast the first stone. And they all left. They dropped their stones and left because none of them were without sin. And so then he looked to her and he said, woman, go and sin no more. That was a prophetic, prophetic word of power. It wasn't just something that he said in passing, but those words had purpose attached to every single word. When Jesus commanded her to go and sin no more, he was actually declaring her both free from sin, but also, woman, you're able to go and sin no more. You're able to do that. God's message for us today and the message to her is that I have set you free. You are now free to choose the right way to live. God's given us that power. It's a, that's a prophetic thing. It's like, you know, you're free now, but you can also be free tomorrow. 
You can be free next week. You can be free next month. God's message of forgiveness and empower, it was liberating, but it also held responsibility. Being free from sin means that we are free to choose the right way. We can choose the right way so that his purpose will be accomplished in us. So let's look back at those examples that I was talking about in the rhema word. Luke 138, when Mary said, let it be to me according to your word. Well, what were those words? If we look further back in the chapter, verse 30, it says, you have found favor with God, Mary. Verse 31, you shall conceive and bear a king, the savior of the world. In verse 37, he said, with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary says, be it unto me. I receive that word. Luke 5, when Simon said, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Well, in verse 4, Jesus had told him, go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. That's the, what he responded to. In each situation, God had a specific yet a different word for them. There was a word of forgiveness for the woman caught in adultery. A word of faith and destiny for Mary. There was a word of challenge for Simon Peter. But what is God speaking to you today? What do you feel like the Lord has just been kind of churning in your spirit? You know, God, not, he doesn't always speak audibly. But sometimes he just plants a thought in my mind or a scripture. And usually he has to give me the same scripture like three or four times before I actually catch, wow, God, that's what you're trying to say to me. But I wouldn't know it if I wasn't in the word. Does it seem like God might be silent? Like you might need, God, I need you to say something to me, God. Anything here, Lord. Get in the scriptures. Get in the logos. Get in the whole entire word of God. And he will give you a rhema. I can't tell you how many times I've been in the scriptures and I've just read a passage of scripture and I'm like, oh, wow, that's really good. And then the next service, there's been someone either preach it or talk about it or mention it. How many has that happened to that's not by accident. That's God giving you a rhema. That's God giving you a specific, intentional word for your life. So I believe today that God is speaking to some of us the same words that he said to Mary, the woman caught in adultery, and to Simon Peter. You're forgiven. You can go and sin no more. Child of God, you have found favor with me. I take pleasure in you. You have great purpose being formed in you, and it shall be birthed. Each and every one of you have purpose being birthed in you right now. He's saying, I'm on your side. Nothing is impossible with me. When you're with me, nothing's impossible. I know it doesn't make sense. I know you've been working a lot. But just come out a little bit deeper. Do what I've asked you to do, and I'm going to give you a great harvest. That I believe that those words can speak to all of us in any situation that we're in. There's so many powerful things that God says to his people in the word. So get in the word. My final point as I'm closing is my words to God. We've talked about power in the words to myself, power in God's words to me, the power in the words to each other. But there is power in our words when we pray. Prayer is powerful. That is our communication to God. God speaks to us mostly through his word. But when we speak to God, that's when we pray. That's, that's how we communicate with the Lord. In the beginning, God spoke and the world was formed. 
God spoke and light replaced darkness. I was thinking about this the other day, and it really just kind of dawned on me. You know, when God spoke light in the book of Genesis, it didn't just cover the darkness, but it in fact drove it out. There cannot be darkness and light in the same place. Light replaces darkness. And then it can only return by permission. When we turned the light switch on back there this morning, this room was illuminated in light. There is no darkness. But we can go and turn the light off, and that darkness comes back. It was only after God created, because he he gave light, and then he created the day and the night. God made a place for darkness. And so the same for you. There's light in your life. You have the power by his word. He made a place for darkness by his word. The same with you. Like, I'm not saying why he made darkness and all of those things. But for you in your life, when you speak light into your life, you have the power to speak and let that darkness back in. And that is through prayer. Like when we continually pray, when we continually seek the face of God, we're continually speaking light. We're continually speaking light in our life and over the darkness of our world. So the power of prayer is, in fact, the power of God. When we pray, we're tapping into all of the power of the Almighty God. When we pray, we have the ability to move his heart and his hand because we're talking to him. He's our father. He wants to hear from us. There's no limit to what can happen when we pray. It's through prayer that our tongue is tamed. Psalms 141.3, David says, Lord, set a guard over my mouth. Lord, set a guard. Keep watch over the door of my lips to keep me from speaking thoughtlessly, to keep me from speaking carelessly. Lord, place a watch over my mouth We can't do that on our own. We don't have the power to do that. That's a gift that God gave us, a very powerful gift that God gave us, and that's why we need him to help us control it. Psalms 19, 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, there again, it goes back to my heart, let it be acceptable in your sight, God, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 34, it says, Lord, keep my tongue from evil and my lips from speaking deceit. It's through prayer, it's through seeking the face of God that we can tame our tongue. So many times people have asked the question, why speaking in tongues? Why is that the initial evidence, the sign that we are filled with the Spirit of God? Why? Out of all of the things that God could choose to do, he chose speaking in another tongue. Because we can't control it. We can't control it. It's an unruly member. No man can tame it, but God can tame it. And so when we begin speaking in tongues, when we allow the presence of God to fully fill us and we are fully surrendered to him, he takes over that unruly member and he begins speaking that heavenly language through us. And it's through that that there is power. It's through intercession. It's through when we begin speaking in tongues, when we begin praying in the Holy Ghost, that's when we begin literally praying the thoughts and the mind of God. We can't know all the things that we need to pray for. That's why he gave us the Holy Ghost. We can't say all the things that we need to say. That's why he gave us the Holy Ghost. So he can speak through us. But that only happens when we make a commitment, a dedicated time, God, every day, 
I'm going to seek your face. God, every day I'm going to get in your presence and I'm going to surrender this unruly member to you so that you can speak through me today. There's a quote that I wanted to read by E.M. Bounds. He said, of what infinite importance is the place that the intercessor holds in the kingdom of God? Infinite importance. Is it not indeed a matter of wonder that God should give men such power? Yet there are so few who know what it is to take hold of his strength and pray down his blessing on the world. That is the power that God has given us. When we begin to pray, when we tap into his presence, when we allow the spirit of God to begin speaking through us, we are tapping into his power. We're bringing down his blessing upon the world. Again, of all of God's creation, he gave us the ability to speak. The ability to put our thoughts into words. The ability to pray. God has given us so much power and this one little member in our body. So we've got to be careful not to misuse it. If you want to stand, I'm closing. I want to challenge us this morning to use the power that God has given you to pray. Pray like never before, and realize that when you do pray, the power that is in you. Recognize that power. It's not enough just to know that we have the power we've got to do it. You know, Nike says, just do it. Well, I think we could all just do it. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. God has provided everything if we pray. When we tap into his resources by faith and we pray, miracles can happen. I still believe in miracles. When we exercise our authority in prayer, God answers in a powerful way. There is strength and power in prayer. There's power in our words. Speak kindly to yourself. Speak kindly to each other. Remember that God loves you. You are his masterpiece, that his word is full of promises and full of direction and full of specific things for whatever you're going through. There's an answer in the word of God and pray. Allow his spirit to pray through you like never before. If we could just close our eyes this morning as we close. God, I thank Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.